0: She's got nothing to fear but career itself. Welcome to I Can See My House From Here. It's been a while and that's okay. I came back into the States and I got a little, a little busy, you know, doing American things. But I'm here outside of my apartment in our beautiful backyard and it's a wonderful like 60... 62 degrees and um, Robert was really nice and he bought me uh, a little pop filter so I don't sound so crazy And he bought me like a little squishy protector for the microphone so that whenever I'm outside the wind doesn't do crazy stuff So I want to talk to you guys about the last half I guess it was basically we, we we traveled to what two different countries in a week or three different countries in a week It was pretty crazy, and I would love to talk to you guys about that So I think the the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about was that after Dubai, we went to Qatar, or people also like to say Qatar. I think we just called it Qatar. (laughs) Like good old Americans. We went to Doha and something that I found out is that they're going to host FIFA in 2022. They're going to host the FIFA World Cup, which is really cool. So they're going to build like a nice eco-friendly stadium and some of which, oh, I guess multiple stadiums. I'm reading it right now. Some of which will be able to host up to 80,000 people. We were in Qatar for for three days and we had two performances but one of our performances got cancelled. So we were there for three days and only had to do one show. So it was um, it was a breeze <laughs> so to speak. When we rode to Qatar, well flew to Qatar rather, uh, we went to I guess we only really had about two days so we wanted to go to the Museum of Islamic art. Because we heard it was a really nice thing to do, and it was about a 10-minute walk away. So we thought, why not? And we went on a Sunday, and while we were there, as we were walking in, they were having like a, I don't know how you call it, like a little, there were markets outside, and little kiosks of people selling food and clothes and jewelry that they made. And it was really nice, so we wanted to do that, but we had, um, I think we wanted to get on like a guided tour at the Museum of Islamic Art. So we asked one of the people, they're like, what what time do you guys close? They said, oh, well, we close at 6 o'clock, so like great and we'll be out of here by then. So we went to the Museum of Islamic Art and it was wonderful. It's very big and large. Oh my goodness, it's huge. And obviously the Islamic art is magnificent. And I think uh, I think oh, if I remember correctly in Bahrain, the tour guide who was saying that the reason why it's called Islamic art is not because it, the Islamic art is not a religious kind of art form. You know how if you were to look at Christian cathedrals or Catholic cathedrals and you'll see, um, you know, um, uh, stained glass of the, you know, Mary or the crucifixion and stuff like that. I think they are so, uh, in Islam, they're dedicated to not, if I remember correctly, they don't want to have any sort of idols or any visual comparison to Allah that their art ended up becoming just shapes and geometric and eventually it gained the title of Islamic art. And it's beautiful. I mean, the uh, if you see a lot of mosques, they're, they're most, a lot of them are covered in these beautiful geometric shapes. You can go ahead and Google it online. It's very pretty. But while we were in there, there was an exhibit called um, The Women of Qajar. And from what I understood, I think that the tour guide, of course, is a, a little bit of a, of a language barrier. But I thought it was a exhibition, exhibition, exhibit exhibit. I'm sorry. <laughs> they sound so similar. I thought it was an exhibit specifically geared toward, it was for women only. And I thought, that's cool, because there are a lot of things in the Middle East that are for men only. So it was Claire and I were like, ooh, yay, we're going to go in as women. What, it, what, the, what he really meant is that it was about the women of Qajar, so that male and females can go in. So the Qajar dynasty, it was an Indian royal dynasty of like Turkic origin, and it ruled Persia, which was Iran at the time from 1785 to 1925. But when we went to the exhibit, what they were talking about mostly was how they considered beauty. The Qajar women around this time, it was considered beautiful for women to have mustaches, to have facial hair. So women who had mustaches or beards or a unibrow, that was considered beautiful. And that was fucking cool, man. It was so much fun. If you go 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 to Google and you look up the women of Kajar, that's Q A J A R, you will find some women who don't have facial hair and other women who who do have facial hair, and um, they did talk about how you were of a higher rank and you were praised more in your beauty if you had a unibrow. So a lot of women painted them on, and a lot of women um, painted mustaches and um, facial hair along the side of the face. And I think I think what really I love that. Just for me personally, you know, I'm personally growing out my armpit hair, unfortunately I had to shave it for auditions here in New York, which is unfortunate, and it's my own battle to to fight, but being okay with the hair that naturally grows on your body is kind of a a taboo here in the United States, and and most of your body is covered in the Middle East, but there's, you know, they, they have thicker hair there. So there were some women that we saw that did have unibrows, And me, I, I have a unibrow, but that's only because in middle school someone told me I did. And I shaved the middle of my eyebrows. And <laughs> and now I have hair that grows there forever. So that's my own damn fault. But having to live with a unibrow and, um, I don't know, I've just always remembered that unibrows are not, are not a good thing. And if you remember Frida Kahlo and people who are just proud of the hair on their body and proud of the way that they look and paint themselves... It was really nice to see, and these women were gorgeous, and it's so fun, and, um, you know, our idea of beauty does change over time, and it's incredible how females, mostly, we grow up, we're trying to make sure that we are the epitome of what others consider as beautiful, but we all have different bodies. It's, It's impossible. It's impossible for all of us to, like, who wants to look like everyone else? I mean, I think we're all, we're all beautiful. Anyway, I'm just going on a tangent now, but I think it was beautiful and it was wonderful. If you do look at some of the Google images of the women of Kajar, you will find some modern photos, like modern art of women, because we saw it there at the museum too, uh, of women of like, you know, 2010 to like 2016, who are dressed in that way, who have um, unibrows, who are carrying like boom boxes or like sweeping the floor or vacuuming their house. So that's a wonderful piece of art that you could that you guys should take a look at. So we went after that was done, let's see. After that was done, we went to that little market. we were looking around and we're all very hungry. So we all bought some food. and they were making cotton candy. I should post a video of, of it. <laughs> they were making cotton candy, but this cotton candy wasn't dyed pink or blue. It was just white. It was just sugar, because that's what sugar looks like. So I finally made my way around, because they, they were eyeing me, because I was eyeing the cotton candy. <laughs> and I kept telling them, I just want to look around and see what I can buy, and what I can eat, but I promise I'll come back. I promise I'll come back. So I went back and they offered to for me to make my own cotton candy swirl. And it was ginormous and almost, it was, it was larger than my head, and it was so good to eat, and so cheap, and delicious, and wonderful. Let's see. When we went into Qatar, we were doing some research, obviously, because Claire and I have been able to get away with wearing t-shirts and yoga... not yoga pants, so just you know, workout pants. But mine are mostly capris, or like they cut below the knee. We've been able to get away with wearing that. We do get stares, and and yes, but no one seems to be angry about it but we looked it up in qatar because ben jacobs was looking up their rules and they practice the uh, sharia laws are very um imminent they are put to use in that country and so they we while we were looking online they even apparently i think it might have been in 2014 or 2015 they were passing out pamphlets of like if you're tourists and you're visiting our country please respect our um, dress codes you're not allowed to wear leggings as pants, cannot wear shorts men are not allowed to wear shorts that are above the knee and I think women were allowed to wear short leaf shirts but no tank tops or spaghetti straps so Claire and I were like oh I don't know and there's like a fine if you get caught or people don't like it so I brought a long skirt expecting that I was going to wear it all the time but I actually it was never put to use except for those two days <laughs> those two days that I, that I was in Qatar and so I wore that but no one no one really seemed to be angry and I you know we weren't making a ruckus we weren't being I guess typical Americans yelling around and, and jumping and taking obnoxious photos they seemed to really enjoy our company which was nice when we went to that market so but I was still wearing my skirt just in case after that I mean that was the end of our night that was mostly our day The next day, I think we had a nice day off because that was supposed to be one of our show days. Oh, that was Valentine's Day. That was Valentine's Day. So a lot of us are talking to our loved ones um, through Skype. And while people were finishing up, they were going to the Falcon Souk. And I got there kind of late because I was talking to Robert and that we we were talking for a really long time. But when we went, there was a little animal market. And they went and they showed me because they had already walked through the whole thing. It was very giant and very big. But they had this little animal souk where they were selling, it was just like a flea market. It was just like, you know, like the pulga down in, down in my hometown. They were selling like baby chicks. They were selling ducks. They were selling um, birds, you know, lovebirds, your typical birds. They were selling like cockatoos and parrots and fish, turtles, bunnies. Oh, and, and a, a lot of these were like out in the open so you could just carry a little bunny and pet it. They were so cute. And puppies, so many puppies. And what sucks is like, I don't know if these dogs are rescued off of the streets or they're not treated very nicely, but there was this one dog, he, he must have been like a Pekingese, he was very small. He was very small, so he was like Pekingese, but he had like chow chow fur. So he was very uh, bright orange and kind of um, very fluffy. So he had a lot of volume to his body. He was there and he was all by himself in this cage And you would walk up to him and he would see you and he would automatically stand up and push his body against the cage so that you could pet him. And it was oh, it almost brought me to tears. And George really fell in love with this dog because this dog just wanted attention. He just wanted someone to pet him and to touch him. And George said, if we were in Argentina, I would take this dog right now. I would take him right now. Um, and there were there were a lot of dogs like that. And there were a couple dogs that oh, and then there were cats. They were like those Persian cats where their noses are scrunched up. All the way into their faces, and they look kind of—they look kind of weird. You know, they're bred that way. I had never seen one in real life, and they were so pretty and beautiful and so fancy looking. They were these big, fluffy white cats. It was—it was wonderful. I got—I got my squee on. Let's see. Well, uh, pretty soon after that, we were on the plane to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. That was a long flight, but what was wonderful was were the flight attendants. I think. Seeing the flight attendants on that side of the world was so nice. You know, when you're in when the United States, our flight attendants they wear they wear like what pencil skirts and pants with like a little white button down and a little vest, right? These women wore their traditional garb, so there was midriff. You know that that um, that Indian garb where it's a skirt and then a little top and and um, that sheet of fabric that kind of drapes over one of your shoulders down onto your knee and there's beautiful midriff right in the middle and I loved it. I mean, you know, midriffs are coming into style now, but I've always been a fan of it. And there was a woman while we were walking into the into the airplane, a woman in like peacock like aqua blue had her hands together in front of her in front of her sternum and uh, her palms were pressed together, and every person that walked in, she said, Igol, Igol, and I don't know what Igol means. I should probably look that up, and I'm sure that means welcome in some country, but she was so beautiful and so sweet, and um, that was wonderful. That was at the Sri Lanka Airlines. So on the way to Kuala Lumpur, the flight attendants served their food in baskets, oh, and it was, you know, little pieces of naan that you ate. Oh, it was just, it was really cute, it was really cute and I loved it. Claire and I were freaking out over it. It took about 24 hours of travel for the whole thing to be done. I think I think it took about 24 hours to go to Kuala Lumpur and it was, it was long, it was long, it was okay. It was long though and it's difficult to sleep. I, I have never been able to sleep on an airplane and now I still cannot. Claire has been wonderful and has introduced me to melatonin, specifically melatonin gummies because those are the best. Melatonin is um, something that you secrete when you're dreaming. It helps you sleep, so it, it is not an addictive drug and it is it um, doesn't hurt your body. It is something natural, so you're just kind of um, making it a little bit more intense. So the only side effect I think that some people have is their, and their dreams are more vivid. I haven't experienced that, but what helps is it gets me sleeping in an awkward position on an airplane. So I definitely stocked up when I came back over here. Let's see, let's see. Oh, while we were in one of the airlines and we were waiting to get on board, we saw some monks, We saw some Buddhist monks. I had never seen them in real life, but you know, they were bald with like the brown and the orange and like the tan clothes and they were all barefoot and they were walking around and they seemed so out of, out of place. They seemed so magical and out of place next to all of the um, industrial furniture that, that, they were, that they were surrounded by. Ooh, when we were flying into Malaysia I got to see all of the vegetation and mountains and we've been in the desert this whole time so flying into a place where there are trees was just is it, it was magical it was very wonderful and definitely made me appreciate uh, what trees do for us <laughs> and that rain is wonderful as much as a lot of us hate it when we got into the airport I think Malaysia's voted one of the best, one of the most beautiful airports, because we saw some, there were floor to wall windows. I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. Floor to ceiling windows, where you could see all of this vegetation. I expected someone on the intercom to say, welcome to Jurassic World. Like it looked that intense. It was like the the airport looked very new and you could just see all of these wild trees and they're moving and oh, it was great. It was wonderful. Let's see. When we went into Malaysia, we found out that our hotel was also a campus. So I think I assume they make extra money by housing tourists. But it was it was a school. It was a school of fine arts, I think, or a school of arts. So we did see some kids walking around. But uh, when we went in there, we I found out that we were that we were pretty spoiled. I remember going to Robert. I personally never lived in a dorm room when I was in college. It was always a commuter. But I uh, my Robert. Who, Did have a dorm, and I remember going over to his dorm, and there was way more space than this one here. There was no room for personal space, absolutely none. Claire and I barely had room to fit our carry-on suitcases. You walked in, and there was a tiny closet and a tiny desk, and that's it. And then your your bathroom. (laughs) It was just it was just really tiny. Okay, y'all. It was real small, fit for two people. So Malaysia, like Oman, is, is spaced out to leave room for its for its vegetation to grow, which was beautiful because we were driving in the city and ugh, oh, it was it was great. And their winter isn't well. What I think it was ninety degrees there. It's ninety degrees, and they're like, no, this is this feels great for us. Like when it gets really hot, it gets up to you know one hundred and three to one hundred and fifteen degrees. That is insane. But, you know, coming from South Texas, that 90-degree that weather, oh, it was wonderful. It was 90 degrees at night. In the Middle East, it was uh, it was, um, was wintertime there, so people are like, oh, it's great. It's like mid of 75 at night, and I, that's cold for me. That's chilly for me. I don't appreciate that. I was definitely making use of my jacket. But in Malaysia, no, ma'am. I was walking around and enjoying that 90-degree humid weather. Let's see. Okay, so I found out that in Malaysia, their main religion is Muslim. And I think, uh, and when I asked the taxi driver this, he, he was not surprised that I asked the question, but kind of like, duh. <laughs> and I think it made me realize how big the Muslim community is outside of, of the United States. There are a lot of people who who um, practice this religion, and I, I think um, we're not... No one no one ever really brings that to our attention. I guess now they're bringing to our attention that they're all terrorists, which I really disagree on, but that's politics, and we don't have to talk about that right now. We can use another podcast for that. Uh, one, but I think the best thing, the best thing about Malaysia was that they served alcohol. So all of us were very happy campers for the last, I think we might have been there for two days or three days too. We were all pretty happy about that. <laughs> and it's not extremely overpriced like it was in, in the Middle East. So I was listening to—we found out that there are some videos that are censored in the Middle East. So I was listening to Alabama Shakes. They're a very nice, very wonderful group. They kind of incorporate funk and—oh, I don't know. Someone's going to get mad at me for not describing them correctly, but they're really great. And I was watching some of their music videos, but some of them were blocked in Malaysia, which was really weird because their music isn't particularly vulgar. So I'm assuming it was just what was showing in the video because I put on Kendrick Lamar also, and, like, nothing was blocked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, it must have been, I guess it must have been just explicit video content, I guess, which was really strange. Again, we had a limited amount of time in Malaysia. So we were, okay, we were doing our research. Okay, what are the things that you have to do when you're in Malaysia? Well, the number one thing to do was to visit the Batu Caves. And it's, uh, it's. you know, I'm reading here. It is one of Malaysia's most distinctive geographical features. It is a labyrinth of spooky caves found within the country's limestone abutment abutments <laughs> basically the Batu caves there are uh, natural caverns and what's so fun about them well one they people use it as a place of worship um, when they and they use it for their religion and it's there's also 272 72 steps to reach this cave another fun fact is that uh, we read somewhere that if you bring or if you buy a bag of peanuts you will be greeted by crazy ass fucking monkeys who will rip your face off for those peanuts. We assumed, oh yeah, it's gonna be real cute, and monkeys are very vicious, but they're still really cute. To be quite honest, no one was hurt, it was fine, they just, they were really good at stealing. Like, you would have maybe three peanuts in your hand and you'd give them one, and they'd hold on to that one, and with their other hand they'd snatch your, <laughs> the, your other handful, and John was uh, taking care of the bag of peanuts. There was a lot of monkeys who were trying to snatch that bag away from him. So these 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 cats play no games, okay? There was one who was trying to reach um, for my for my peanut. He was trying to reach for my peanuts, and I don't know why he was reaching above my shoulder. I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember why, but it dug its nails into my skin. It was kind of like you know when a dog scratches you accidentally. It wasn't an, an attack. Um, But I did get scratched by a monkey, a wild monkey, and it did take a a bit of my, a bit of flesh. I wasn't bleeding, but I could see like, oh, that's, that's not skin anymore. (laughs) Um, But that's fine. Eventually we poured some hand sanitizer over it and I uh, I just bit my tongue to, to quiet the screams. And it's okay. Uh, Right now I have a little scar. I have three little scars, just just three little markings, but they were cute and they were so nice. And they were a little bit vicious, but that's okay. It's fine. That's I mean we had it coming and we, we weren't attacked or you know, none of us got bitten by a rabid uh, monkey. We went to the temple of Sri Maha Mariaman and Sri Alarmel Mangai Samedha. And this was getting toward the nighttime when we heard this bell ringing, so we followed the bell. This was after we had explored in the caves. So while we were there in the caves, there was a shaman there who was receiving offerings for um, the god that was there. And there was a a giant golden statue in front of the caves that led you to the caves. And I don't know if this is the god that you were giving offerings to, but it stands at 42.7 meters, which is 140 feet high. It is the world's tallest statue of Lord Muruga. It's and of course it's located outside the Batu caves. and uh, it is pretty giant. I think uh, uh, we all took a photo in front of it. I'm pretty sure it's on Facebook on my Facebook. It was um, it's a very tall statue. So I don't know if that is the god they were worshipping or that they were giving offerings to. But there was a shaman there who was uh, giving blessings, and so you went up there, and you took your shoes off because it was a holy place. And some of us walked in, and we gave him a little bit of money because, you know, everyone likes a tip. He asked us for our name, and he was holding a a plate of ashes, and um, he dipped his thumb in the ash, and he put it over our forehead and said a blessing and would either flick his thumb up he flicked his thumb up on mine and he flicked his thumb sideways on the other on my other castmates. So I don't know what that means, but we got blessed. So after that, it was getting toward nighttime and we heard these ringing bells and we saw a ceremony. We we were just observing. We took our shoes off, but we saw this the ceremony of these people giving their offerings to 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 the two gods and I think that is who I named earlier the Temple of Shri Maha Mariaman Mariam and Shri Alarmel mangai sameda. So the I wrote down some of the things that I saw that they were doing. They were praying with their hands above their heads. Um, They also tap their jaw slightly and they twist their wrist. So I think maybe they tap their jaw with their pointer finger and then flick their wrists back and forth and um, like maybe to the back of the jaw to the front of the mouth. They would twist and they do that over and over again. People, um, a man with a tray of candles would walk by, and people would run their hands in circles over the heat, and they would lightly drag their hands over their eyes to their cheeks. A mother waved her hands and placed them on her three boys' foreheads. They received what I think is something like holy water. Uh, they would sip it, and they would. Um, the water was given to them in their hands, like they'd cup their hands. They'd sip the water, and they would use the excess for their heads maybe to cool them off or to spread the love. Um, There were women and men bearing gifts, mostly flowers and green leaves. There's an ice cream truck. What? Oh, what is so bad. (laughs) I want a little Powerpuff girl lollipops that do not look like anything like the Powerpuff Girls. Okay, back to this. A lot of the women were wearing strings of flowers in their hair. And then there was a man there was like a holy cup that would that someone would walk around with and they would cap the cup of uh, the man the shaman would one of them would cap the cup with their hands and it and and they put it over people's heads that was a wonderful and holy experience and we we tried our best not to make any noise and I think they were aware that we were there but we were we were spectating and it was beautiful and there was live music playing in the background too um, and there was a speaker that was playing. I think it might have been playing one note, if I remember correctly, kind of like a bagpipe. Then there was someone on the drums and uh, someone else playing. I think it might have been a, a sort of guitar instrument, and they were playing this live music, and it was very beautiful. Um, it was definitely a holy place, and these people came, you know, like, hey, we're going to church, and they'd get in line. And then when, when that whole ceremony was done, all of them got in line, and I think... They went up to offer their offerings to these to these two temples, to these two gods that were there. So that was a great experience. So then we went to bed, and the next day we were off to the United States. We were all pretty happy. Oh, wait, no, I'm just kidding. I lied. If I, Was it that night or was it the next night? Oh, my goodness, I don't even know. We wanted to go get something to eat, and we saw that under the freeway... There was people eating under the freeway and there was karaoke going on, like Malaysian karaoke. So they found out that we were American and they wanted us to sing American songs. So we were, we sang Rolling in the, we wrote there, we wrote that we wanted to sing Rolling in the Deep and Bohemian Rhapsody. Because those, everyone knows those songs and everyone knows those songs. (laughs) They're universal. But he said we had to wait. For us to go and the wait was like an hour and a half. It was a long wait. But we all wanted to do it so we ate our food and we were waiting except in Malaysian karaoke you get to sing two songs and these Malaysian songs are like four to five minutes long and man they were and of course you know you could see you could see the 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 screen where the music video was happening with the lyrics on the bottom so we tried singing along and um It was very, it was very, like, 80s soft rock, you know, like, you know, like, that kind of stuff. (laughs) It was hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. And then, uh, and while that was happening, this old, this beautiful old lady started doing line dance, like, Malaysian line dancing, and I was like, oh, this looks exactly like the United States. So I went in and started doing this line dance and realized, holy shit, this is actually not, like the United States, this is very, this is very hard. There were a lot of hip movements and there were a lot of intricate steps and hops that uh, I think someone from the United States might find a little bit difficult to do. I think someone filmed me doing this And I think finally some of the men came and started doing it. Uh, Some of, uh, I think it was Matt and John, they came and they (laughs) they tried to dance. Everyone was very supportive. All of the Malaysians were laughing at us, or with us, I don't know, probably at us, but they thought it was real cute, okay? So we tried really hard. So we tried to make most of our night, and then finally when we went up there, we sang Rolling in the Deep, and that was great. Um, But what we all really wanted to do was sing the Bohemian Rhapsody because all of us are great singers You know how much I said before that we all love to sing But apparently they just couldn't find the right music video Or when they would play the music video, the lyrics were behind the music So of course we knew the words, but uh, they stopped and they were like Oh no, we can't, we can't do that, no, I'm sorry So we just left and we were all a bit like, nah, we wanted to, we wanted to do that. We wanted to sing these two songs. So, I think Claire was tired and she went back into apartment, into our tiny dorm. And we all were like, no, we're not gonna end this night just waddling away with their tail between our butts. We're gonna go and we're gonna get, we're gonna drink. We're gonna drink some beer. That's what we're gonna do. So it was a club nearby, because of course, since we were in a univer, like we were inside a university building, right across the street from us, were was like a strip of wonderful delicious food like 7-eleven and of course some bars (laughs) so you could go and and drink and then walk drunk to your house or to your dorm so we did that and it was um (laughs) it was a great night we all got a little drunk and then there was this oh my gosh i i didn't eat these burgers but there was a woman making burgers on the side of the road and they were delicious like we saw her do that whole process i think ben jacobs no was it ben jacobs ben jacobs and Matt got burgers yeah I think they got burgers and uh, John got a bottle of cheap whiskey I think very cheap whiskey and so we all went back to the dorm and we just uh, sipped on some whiskey and ate delicious disgusting burgers that were so good oh I miss those burgers y'all if any of my co-workers are listening to this I miss, I miss that I hope one day we can find burgers just as good okay so then alright we were done we're officially on our way back home we were I, were we 18 hours ahead of the United States? I think we were. So flying backwards was like going back in time. Hey! That was uh, my, one of my one of our newest roommates, David Wynn, who uh, was walking his dog, Maggie, outside. <laughs> he's very sweet, I love him to death. He was an undergrad with me? Actually, no, Well, I was an undergrad, he was getting his master's degree, so he's doing great. I think someone might be vacuuming next door, so I'm sorry for the added sound let me go ahead. I'm almost done with this podcast. I know. Thank you for sticking with me. This is just on the way back home. So I said we had to like travel back in time, but not not really. So we basically wasted 24 hours. Like we, I don't even know how to explain it. Since Since we were 18 hours ahead, we had to go to Tokyo. And then we were on a plane for 24 hours only to get to the United States on the same day. If that makes any sense, you know, so we traveled back. In time, Anyway, I was so tired, but these are some of the things that I saw on the plane. Let's see. So when we were flying to Tokyo, I was looking at the window, and every time we would fly during the night, and I looked at the window, it was always pitch black. You couldn't see anything. This time, I saw the light of the moon reflecting off the clouds, and it gave it this, like, gray-blue hue. It was precious, y'all. It was very beautiful. And then you know you look up and you see more stars than you think you would because it's so clear up there because you're not looking through clouds, you're actually looking at space. there's that there's that fine line between Earth and space and it's right there. you can see it. there's like that little that little line where where it, it looks kind of blurry and almost like a mirage and you're like that that's crossing that and you're in space. and just being so close to that it's it's pretty it's pretty magical. And then when you would see the sunrise, because we did that in Tokyo, <laughs> when you saw the sunrise and you were looking at the clouds' reflection, just like seeing the, the, the oranges and the golds kind of peek through these clouds, and the clouds are so fluffy and giant. It always reminds me of Olympus in the Disney movie of Hercules. You know how Olympus is like in the clouds and it's like amazing and it's great. <laughs> that's, that's what it reminded me of. The Tokyo airport is very large, and we got there before life and everything started opening. We got, I think we got there like at around 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, so some of us took naps. But when um, things started to kind of get running and hopping, we went. I bought a little souvenir for my brother. I think he'd really enjoy it. And uh, hearing people speak Japanese, um, I mean, I love, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm an anime lover. I love it. I love it to death. But hearing it in real life, they just automatically sound so much... They automatically sound really happy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I really hope I'm not being rude or insensitive, but they really do. I bought some candy from a man, and along with some pocky, and just the way he was speaking just made me smile and tear up because it was great. We also sat down on one of those massage chairs and paid money to get massages done. Cause man, we. crammed up. We are traveling and we're jumping up and down and singing and sword fighting. We were into massage trains early on into the tour, but every time I would bring it up, they're like, Sarah, stop bringing a massage train! Stop trying to get us into a cuddle puddle! So I think uh, they thought there was an ulterior motive, but I just want, I just want to massage y'all. Just give me a massage. So I'm hoping when we come back, so I'll be back on tour in about two and a half, three weeks. I'm definitely, massage train is going to be what's gonna happen. I'm gonna make it happen. So, let's see, oh, we were flying over Alaska, we were going into the states, so we literally flew around the world. I'm just gonna, that's amazing. We actually flew around the entire fucking thing. It was incredible. So when we were flying, I think it was over Alaska, because uh, the airlines that we were on was really cool. They, um, they had a screen where you could see where you were flying. You're we flying over Alaska, so look out the window. And you could see the moon reflecting over these giant mountains of snow. Oh, it was gorgeous. At first I thought, this can't be snow, it's just nighttime, it's probably just dirt, but it's Alaska, I'm, and it's the wintertime. Wait, is it the wintertime in Alaska? Well, I guess always, it's always snowing. It's always snowing in the mountains in Alaska. Also, this was a thing in these airlines, they would pass out hot towels, and I thought, oh, these hot towels are like, for your hands. I guess just wash your hands with water here. But no, I was looking around, whenever people would pass hot towels, they put them on their face. So I tried it, oh my gosh, it's so refreshing. You just put this 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 warm thing on your face and it kind of wakes you up and it feels like you're exfoliating because you're wiping off all of like the sleepy crust that's on your face. <laughs> it was great. Hot towels should happen all the time. I think I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it happens in the United States Airlines. I just, I don't think I've ever been on a plane that long in the United States. When we were flying the morning, the morning of the same day <laughs> in Chicago, so we experienced the morning twice, we were in Chicago this time, and I looked over the clouds. It looked like a bed of cotton candy, but the sky reflected on the clouds. It looked like American cotton candy. So I thought it was nice. It kind of went full circle there, you know. I had cotton candy that was white, and the clouds looked like cotton candy. But then when we flew into Chicago, um, I don't know if it's due to pollution or just because the sun's that pretty. But the clouds were blue and pink, and it really made me feel nice. And we got we got home, and I was very tired. And it took about three days for me to be not be jet lagged. I found myself falling asleep at like three in the afternoon. I was like, why is this happening to me? I'm trying to have a good time. And I noticed and I remembered that people still stare in the United States. People still stare at me in New York City and people still cat call me. If anything, um, people do more cat calling and whistling uh, and stare just the same. So that was a, a, an interesting realization that I had. Um, I got sick as soon as I came here. A lot of people associate it to climate change, I think I was just so tired just being up and not really being able to sleep, sleeping 20 minutes at a time on that flight. My immune system was kind of down, so I got pretty sick. So that was, and that was sad, because I was like, yeah, I'm gonna come up and I'm gonna audition, it's gonna be great. And no, you gotta stop and uh, (laughs) collaborate and listen to your body because you're sick and you really need to buy some vitamin C in emergency right now. Something that I wanted to talk about as well, coming from this tour it put a lot of things in perspective just you don't choose where you're born you know and i mean I, I was this close to living in mexico if it wasn't for my mom's nursing school my father was from mexico my father's from mexico and he came over and my mom and him got married and he was like well we can go back to mexico my mom's like that's fine because we live in a border town anyway but her nursing school was in corpus christi that's um about two hours north of brownsville and so we, they decided to stay in the United States. How crazy is that? I mean, we have no decision on where we live and what religion we um, are acclimated to or come to grow up with. And it, it really put things in, in perspective and kind of opened my eyes to... We, we we really don't have a choice when it comes to stuff like that. And I think if I talk any more about it, I'll get into politics, and I really don't want to do that. But um, definitely opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that I didn't... Um, I don't know I I don't want to say ignored but maybe I just I just didn't care to think about because it's really easy to not think that no one else exists except you and the people you know you know or even the United even the United States is kind of big it's like really big so the fact that there are hundreds of thousands billions of other people living somewhere else on the other side of the world definitely opens your eyes it really does Um, so thank you so much for listening y'all I really appreciate it I love all of you who have stuck with me and when I come back to when we're back in South America, I'm gonna interview my coworkers, and it's gonna be great. So you're gonna listen to them, and much more or less of me. So you'll get some rest from my wonderful voice. But um, I think the vacuum cleaner—oh, she's blowing leaves into my yard. That's what she's doing. Well. She's getting closer and closer to my side of the lawn. So thank you all so much. You guys have an amazing day. I know I will. I'm just gonna sit around and watch Hats of Cards and enjoy my vacation time. But until then, please have a great and wonderful day. And I guess the next time I'll talk to I talk to you, I'm gonna be in South America. Woohoo! Alright, y'all. Bye-bye. <laughs>